Hello everybody. Been a while since we recorded a podcast, but we've been really busy and with the other things going on in the world, uh, just kind of escaped us for time. But anyway, we're here today to record, so we're broadcasting from an undisclosed location. Live from uh, isolation. And hopefully CBD-free environment somewhere in East Texas, which is still a big place. So And still has a lot of cases of the coronavirus. No, what we're going to talk about today is is uh, we don't want to just kill everybody with corona stuff. However, I think it's very relevant for us to uh, look at some things and some implications of what this has done. Uh, and today, we would like to ask the question of uh, what will life post-CVD? COVID-19. COVID-19 look like. And I told Elijah the other day, we are working on the farm, and I said, you know, I, I almost feature like a period of time from now, two guys standing there talking, and one of them asking the other guy, hey, what'd you do before the virus? And we laughed about it, but then when you really think about it, what is our daily life going to look like? Uh, the economy's really bad. Uh, really bad's not even a good description. We don't even know how many people are unemployed. It's not a regional thing. It's a worldwide thing. So the implications of this thing are just off the chart. So we'd like to just discuss a little bit of this, bring up some points, and again, we'd really like to hear from you guys uh, and what your thoughts are. So we're going to ease on into the podcast and, you know, kind of the, the topic today is going to be what will change after we're through this? What can we do to help get through this? And just how prepared were any of us for a situation like this to come upon us? We can look back in history and we see things such as the Spanish flu. And there's been, I don't want to say a plague, but sicknesses like this throughout history that drastically changed the culture, the timing, the environment. But I don't think we've seen one like this because of how connected we all actually are. This is the, um, one of the interesting things about uh, uh, something like this hitting now is world travel and how we interact more than ever. So we're, we're more of a global civilization than we ever have been. So people are traveling more. People are... and even down to the local level, like we don't keep enough food to sustain, even the grocery store, like everything supply demand, supply demand, and everything is based on like need. So you never, like if something like this, it's like a perfect storm. If something like this does happen, we're not ready for it. No, we're not. And, you know, years ago before we sold our food distribution business, uh, I'm talking about 25 years ago, we operated and sold massive amounts of product, shipped it on a daily basis in about a 150-mile radius, and we had very limited space. So we were some of the guys that were first practicing this, you know, on-hand, point-on-hand distribution. And it worked great because you didn't have to have nearly as much storage space and you can move a lot of product because as it went in, you automatically sent it out. But the one thing back then that always drastically changed everything was what if one of your trucks was late or hindered making delivery? And I can give you an instance. We had a truck one time that was coming with a, a tractor trailer load of processed chicken from Mississippi and we had an ice storm and the truck turned over in Monroe, Louisiana with a full 18-wheeler load of product and we were totally out. 
So when we were totally out, the people that were defending on us were totally out in just a few short a day. And it's made me think about a lot, think a lot about this now, especially because we have a new dynamic even in that now as us as individuals. I mean, we could call it the dollar store effect. You know, I don't know about where you guys live, but where where we live, even when we're in Galveston. There's a dollar store across the street from another dollar store. Yeah, and if you need something, you just run to the dollar store. Uh, if you, uh, if, and it, it, it's translated into everybody's life because a lot of times people stop at the store every day, man, to pick up whatever they want, not so much need for that day. But with this dollar store effect, I had a buddy, man, tell me this about three years ago. He lives way out in West Texas. He called me up and he said, hey, man, they opened a dollar store. And it's right down the road from where I live. He, he's like, this thing's great, man. I never have to go anywhere else. I can just stop at the dollar store. And which that's convenient. And, hey, I'm not knocking the dollar store. But that mindset of us not being truly prepared is a little crazy uh several years ago i got in this i wouldn't say prepper but quasi prepper mode up at the farm and man we spent a lot of time putting things in place to where we could last a long time at the farm without having to go anywhere and then for years we never needed the stuff we rotated stuff into the mission and used it because we didn't want it to go to waste and then all of a sudden this happens, and here we are. Uh, we, we weren't prepared. And, and you know what? I don't think even if we would have kept in that dynamic, we still would have been prepared because this is different than anything we've ever faced. But we want to make sure as believers, and especially I believe in the kingdom, of heaven and I believe if we're obedient to what God tells us to do we will never lack however that goes back to just how obedient are we so today we're going to just kind of discuss some of the dynamics uh, one we'd like some feedback with you guys if you're having to work from home how are you adjusting to being with your family all the time it's different uh, but we'd like to get some feedback from other folks. Also, how has it changed your perspective on just how secure we are in our daily lives? With the job outages, shortages, people being furloughed, uh, we kind of got a double bang because a lot of what I do is directly involved with the energy sector. So I've had projects that we were going to be on that were 10 15 million dollar projects for the company all of a sudden just get canceled indefinitely i do a good bit of work for uh, a railroad contractor same thing with them so the economic portion of this i don't think any expert out there can give us any ideal on what's coming next yeah, <clears throat> and the more you think about it, the more you think what's not going to be back when everything is back to normal, or like when we get back to some semblance of normal, like will cruise ships ever re recover from this? Will global travel industry ever recover from this? Will tourism in countries like Italy or, you know, ever bounce back from something like, or if they bounce back, how long will it be? And countries like Italy, most of their whole economy, they do produce some things. They have port, you know, and then they have you know a shipping industry. But most of their economy is tourism, and you it's and that goes for a lot of like Galveston. It's, Huge tourist industry. I mean, you're watching restaurants after restaurants after restaurants shut down right now because right now they should be packed full, and they're not, and they don't have rainy day funds for that. And Everyone operates on a Cash flow Anything basis, from yeah. a, I mean, the biggest corporations in the world to, you know, the small business around the corner operate with no backup plan. Just 
and our economy does like the idea of like unlimited growth like we think that the economy is always just going to continue to get better and better and better and better and it, that in, some, in a lot of ways that just is unsustainable if that's that's a real interesting point how will this change the dynamic of everyday life when this is over well how many of the restaurants that were vibrant and alive will reopen because they've been shut down for so long and their cash flow i mean who how can they pay their leases when they're not able to push out food some places sure have curbside pickup can they maintain their lease payments on curbside pickup hey guys i'm a real fan of kolaches what about the kolaches store that when I'm working that I stop at every morning that has no drive through, no walk up. I mean, will they recover? Uh, their business is totally dependent on people working, coming in and picking up breakfast on their way to work. So will they be back? Or are we moving into a dynamic of where everything we do has changed? What about, and I'm asking a lot of questions. I don't claim to be an expert on anything. However, what about all the people that have been able to work from home now? Will companies and CFOs go, wow, we could drastically reduce our workforce? Half of these dumb sales meetings that you have could have been done on Zoom this whole time. Yeah, and remotely from wherever we're working. So will, will this change? A dynamic of will a company go you know we have 500 employees at this place that cost us X amount of dollars to office a month do we really need all these employees and can we do we need this big space or can we have our employees work remotely and do away with all this expenditure I mean these questions are I think they need to be asked and and we need to really think about them will we go more to instead of going to the saltgrass uh steakhouse and eating once a month which you know we're lucky if we do that it, it's just hard to find the timing to do it but i do enjoy that will will that come back i mean right now i would really like to walk into any restaurant and sit down and have a meal which is impossible right now, but will we go to, will there be more Uber Eats, more uh, food delivered, and will we become more isolated as, as a society after this period of time? We've got a lot of uncertainty. The oil market is probably going to crash even more. Uh, yeah, there's, <clears throat> right now they're already saying that it's just going to get worse before it gets any better as far as the price of oil goes. So with the layoffs and layoffs and layoffs, I mean, I would like to look at positive. Will people go, wow, life is changing as I know it, so I need to find an ability to be able to still take care of my family with the change of the whole climate of the country? Will it make entrepreneurism spike even more? Yeah, and I think that it's valuable to not look at this like, you have two camps. You have the camp that said, that tries to say this is not as bad as it really is. And then you have the camp. And sadly, the I mean, a lot of churches like to do this. And the preachers like to do this. It's like they really want it to be the end of the world. Because then our work is done. When everything that happens can't be the end of the world. No, I don't believe this and is the end of the world. maybe this is a time for us to go, well... We need to set things right instead of just going. Oh, finally, it's the end. Now we don't. Everything being the end of the world seems like a lazy outlook because if it's in the world, you're done. Well, and we're still. Our orders are to keep uh, pressing for the kingdom of God and advancing the gospel until He returns. So, but you know, and that's another dynamic. I got a lot of people blasting me on Facebook over this, but however, I do believe in free speech, so I will share. At a time where uncertainty, fear, and, and, and just a perfect storm, a combination is happening in people's life, 
the government is stepping in and saying you can't congregate to practice your religious freedom. How far will we let that go? I understand. I don't belong to a normal church where 500 people congregate, okay? We're more of a house church, street church type of belief system. We don't use the big buildings that eat up all the resources, but the implication of like a county such as Galveston or a city of Galveston stating that you're forbidden to gather together to worship or pray, how far will we let that go? There seems to be no pushback against it. You know, okay, I understand. We don't want to give the coronavirus to anybody else, okay? So, yeah, for people that are more at risk, stay home. I believe the American people have common sense enough to go, wow, you know, if we were going to have a, a meeting here, there's hundred of us, maybe people that have underlying health conditions and, and maybe they should stay home. But our example in the gospel is Jesus and the disciples going to the sick and praying for them, laying hands, healing them, man. They went to lepers. They went to, uh, what, okay. And I'm not Catholic. However, what, what if mother Teresa would have stayed home during the pandemics that, that, that well, she went. thing though is like you for as long as I can remember have been saying, well, the church isn't a building. It's a people. And now the same people that said, no, nah, well, you have to have a church building. You have to meet in a church building are saying, no, you don't have to meet in a church building. You just do it at home. Isn't that what we've been saying forever? Yes. You, yeah, you can meet at home. That's fine. Just meet at home. And the same people that argued against that and said, no, nah, you got to have basically a temple are now saying, no, 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 the church is, no, nah, we don't need the building. Well, if you don't need the building, why'd you buy a $3.2 million building in the first exactly. place? Exactly. And, and why aren't we being on the forefront of people? I guarantee you people in every place that are truly seeking after the Lord and are truly wanting to be obedient, they're willing to go and pray for the sick right? and, and, be hands and feet of Jesus during this crisis. The mission's still open. No one has tried to make us close it. We're still feeding people. We're still trying to show the love of Christ. And uh, by the grace of God, no one's tried to shut us down. We are practicing so many people in at a time. Everybody wash your hands. Let's be protective. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's make sure but there seems to be no pushback at all against the government telling no, people what they can do. And, and what does a stay-at-home order mean for a homeless guy? Exactly. Like, if they don't come to the mission. Do you stay on the park bench you sleep on and not ever move? Or, But when you think about these implications, this goes right to what will life look like after the virus? Will they... Will they say look we were able to control the population by this uh let's do that more so as as an american what what do we do with the bill of rights if it can be so easily compromised over something like this does not anybody think that the powers that be will not use this in a manner even more in the red, uh, so again, what will it look like after the virus? How long, Elijah, did it take for the after the Spanish flu? For because that's really the closest thing I think we have as a comparison for recovery. Yeah, it was a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> that affected. Millions of people. Let's see the time. There's a timeline here. Let's see. I always think we can go back and historically look at things and learn a lot from what's already taken place. Yeah, just give me a second. I'm just trying to find if there is like a 
a data set. Did a recovery on it. Some of us are, are not as badly affected yet as others. Uh, by the grace of God, my boss is, has us working remotely. We don't have to go out to try to build business. We only have to take care of the business that we have. And we're also emailing and contacting people to let them know we're still up and going and we're ready when they're ready. But, I mean, that's a blessing. Uh, most of these people that are working at restaurants or places, uh, Bass Pro Shop or, you know, I mean, retail, man, their job's ended and they don't know when they're coming back. Okay, so basically it looks like it just ran its course. Um, it says here, there's a really good breakdown on the History Channel's website of the Spanish flu. It's like how it began and how it ended. It said, by the summer of 1919, the flu pandemic came to an end as those that were affected either died or developed immunity. Um, almost 90 years later, in 2008, researchers announced that they discovered what the, made the 1918 flu so deadly, which was a group of three genes enable, that enabled the virus to weaken a victim's bronchial tubes and lungs and clear the way for bacterial pneumonia. But it just was either killed you or it you ran its course. And then you were immune to it. But then, right after the Spanish flu, we went into not long after that the Great Depression. Yeah. So. 19. 19 was the end of the Spanish flu, and then you had a little bit of really good, and then, of course, the economy dropped off not long after that. And right now, guys, we're looking at economic indicators that put us in the Great Depression. Now, I will state, I'm not fearful of that, because I do believe God is absolutely in control. I also believe that this whole global crisis that's taking place right now could be a wake-up call for the people that believe in, in Jesus. We need to be on the forefront of each of these battles. We need to be shining the light of Christ, being the body of Christ, connecting, and bringing good everywhere we are. So this could be a wake-up call for us to get really real and serious about what we're called to do. I believe if we get focused, we have the answer for everything that's facing this world. Yeah. And I don't believe that fear should be what's ruling our lives. Uh, I'm getting a lot of flack from my wife because I keep going out and going and checking on jobs I already have going and going to check on the cows and... and but I can't see where fear should, well, and, should be able but to rule our it's lives. It's not like you're not being careful either. No. I, think, I mean, you can still, even during all this, strike a careful balance. You know, we have, we're going from here to the farm. Or we're not stopping. You no. know, we're not interacting with anybody. You know, we're still doing everything that you normally would to flatten the curve. But... You still, I mean, if you don't find a, some kind of semblance of normal life in this, you're gonna end up going crazy. It'll drive you crazy. But I, I, I believe one of the points we real we really need to look at is fear and uncertainty rule the day. As we're bombarded constantly from the headlines with gloom, I'm tired of my phone going off with about the latest Corona horror story, but. We got to remember, we have the message of hope, the power of Jesus, and there is nothing that can stop us if we join together and we engage. I believe that God is 100% absolutely in control. And even though this is not necessarily a Bible program, I believe that our faith is at the forefront of everything we should, we do. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land do we believe this or is this a catch scripture that's just thrown around every now and then do we really believe it why aren't we starting to try to organize to pray in that manner we need to 
if we believe things like this, then we need to engage them. We need to pray. We need to say, God, help us. Whatever we've done wrong, please forgive us. We repent. Let us move forward and let your kingdom shine. This is not just in a church meeting. This is in our whole life. We need, as, as people that believe, to be praying and seeking ways through entrepreneurship to where we can start engaging industry and getting people back to work and and for people that for people that that are in such fear to ease their concerns and show them yeah this is bad it's probably going to get worse however we have the answer to these problems if we unite as a people there's nothing like this that I can remember I've ever seen. Uh, I was in business when 9-11 happened. I can remember the morning vividly. Uh, we actually had a TV at the at my office and we were loading trucks and my mom called and told us to turn on the news and we were sitting there watching as a plane flew into the World Trade Center. And I remember drastically, life drastically being altered. We almost went bankrupt because no one went anywhere to eat or anything for like a month and a half. We're already past that month. And we have no indications of when life will get back to normal. But another thing I remember was how people flocked to church, man. And prayer meetings were breaking out all over. And, and all of a sudden, a renowned sense of needing God took place. But that only lasted about two or three months. And then everything went back to life as normal. So again, I asked the question, what's life going to look like after the virus? Elijah's about to graduate college. Heading to law school, too, and... Um, something that just really <clears throat> I got accepted into South Texas College of Law and that is where I plan on um, you know getting my law degree from but like will we be starting this fall in August will we be online you know questions like that and no one really has an answer to any of that yet is it going to be over here this summer is it going to Come back in the fall. If it comes back in the fall, will they have, you know, the spring semester? I mean, will we just be moved to the spring semester? It's just everything up in the air, and that affects everybody. Yeah, it does. It's just like it's a major deal to graduate college. They're not going. Their graduation's been postponed. All these kids that have graduating college and high school, a big achievement in their life, and they don't know whether or not they're going to be able to celebrate it uh all those things have an effect on people what about you know lodges going on to law school what if you're graduating college right now and you're about to enter the marketplace for a job with your bachelor's degree where are you going to go to work yeah if I, I plan on going straight back to school and i can't imagine i have friends that are graduating from uh, UH Clear Lake that are trying to be teachers. Yeah, when are they going to go back to school? I mean, are they is it's got to be one of the worst times to be trying to become a teacher right now because everything there's no really set date on when schools are going to open back up. So I think that all I think all of these things need to be discussed and and we need to. We need to talk to our kids. We need to talk to our neighbors. We need to to help people have a dialogue about, you know, sure, we don't know the answer to these things. However, we do know this. We're supposed to live every day for that day and not put all of this concern and fears for the future. What we can do today to bring about positive results is the most important thing that we can do. Probably watching the news at this point is very unhealthy because the biggest thing we get is gloom, 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 gloom. Some people thrive on that. 
what we need to be looking for is positive things that we can take hope in. Oh, uh, we need to be able to <coughs> adapt. <coughs> Bad time to be coughing. <laughs> yeah, don't cough. We'll isolate you. But I, I do think that this can be looked at as a great opportunity, especially for those who believe in the kingdom, because we literally have the answers if we will engage. And it, that's from small business to, look guys, faith is not supposed to be confined to two weekly services. It's supposed to be something that's lived daily. We can look for good. We can look for positive instead of fearing if we're ever going to go back to work. Let's, those of us who are still working, let's be blessed, man, and let's give to those that are not. Help engage people to be able to make something for their family. Uh, we got to start practicing the kingdom economy. And, and I just put a first part of a teaching up on the streetscape ministry page on kingdom economy there's a actually while we're on that there's a every day there's more coming on there we have a backlog of bible studies unfortunately we're not down there to be able to record any bible studies at the mission but um there's a huge backlog of bible studies i think i even have some i still need to post but if you're looking for more material and then also um stuff dad's been writing there's tons of it on the Streetscape Ministry page. And I share some of it onto the Wilderness Voice page, but I don't want to clutter it when it's readily available on the uh, the Ministries page. And that's Streetscape Street Ministries on Facebook. We also, uh, again, would really like to have dialogue with people. Guys that are, you know, especially people that own small business and and... We would like to know what, what you're facing and and if there's any resources we can share. Man, that's something else that's powerful, networking. It's how I've made my living in business is contacts and staying in touch with contacts and building a relationship. No better time than to do that right now. Reach out. Look at, at, at what you have, the contacts that you have. Reach out. See where everybody's at. As far as faith, I've been reaching out and having dialogue with brothers that I would not lost contact with, but because of the business of our life, you know, we just don't talk that much. There's power in people connecting together. Uh, I think we need to start establishing, I don't know the word for it, networks of us gathering together and, and getting on a, hey, if we have to do it with a conference call, let's get on the phone, man. Let's pray for one another. And there's all kind of stuff out here. I don't understand all this stuff. Jax was on a deal with a little ministry group he attends called Zoom. I don't know what Zoom is, but I know it uplifted Jax's spirit to be able to take part in stuff with his little group. So let's not look to the negative. Let's look on how we can advance positive right now in the middle of the situation. I don't think we've ever faced anything like this. However, I do believe that we will get through this. And we're probably, and once again, we're living in a time where it's probably like of abundance. You know, we're not in the middle ages with the black plague you know? no that's true i mean if if you you're living in a really good time to be going through something very terrible well it's like the you told me one day and i still laugh about it that people say that you know we're in the worst times there's ever been and you said well you know we're not sitting there looking at the seashore waiting for a herd of violent marauders well, yeah, to come kill us I, all i always think about that you know like it could be we have bad stuff and bad stuff happens all the time, but you're not worried about Vikings, you know, coming over the, you know, looking at the horizon while you're on the beach and Vikings. Or Genghis. Or, yeah, or Genghis Khan coming through the woods at you, you know. You just don't have those worries. Or, or, or you know, wild beasties. <laughs> For the exactly. most part, you know, you're not going to get eaten by an animal. I mean, there are 
oddities, but I mean, for the most part, we don't even this, like a lot of, we always have to remember a lot of people are living through this. Oh yeah. And, and, and look at us going through it in a very much more comfortable environment. And, and might I add, man, I am sick of these rich celebrities posting stuff about how they're toughing out the Tough coronavirus in their $20 million dollar mansion in Malibu. <laughs> or I mean, Monaco. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. Are you guys tired of that or do you care? It's like but, they have the, the gumption to release a, a, an imagined cover in the middle of this. Like, no, please. But, know your place. You're here in comfortable times. In bad times, you just need to like step off the scene. Exactly. And let guys like, you know, I don't know, David Goggins or something coming rally everybody. <laughs> really? You know? But you think about it, most of us are, are going through this way better than people in India, yeah. Brazil, uh, all over the world, man. I mean, even as bad as it is in Italy, you know. Yeah, and, and that's another thing is like, even as not ready as we were, we're still not as bad off as other countries were. No, we're not. And it's all like you can't let the news tell you that, you know, it's in the world. You also can't let preachers tell you it's in the world or podcasters or anyway. It may be the end of the world. It could be. We it do could, not it very could will be. I'm not, hey, don't, you know, mail me, you know, snail mail me when. You know, it, this is the end, and be like, ah, you said it wasn't. But even if it is, you don't know, and you need to, you know, it's business as usual. Until yeah, we have to live our daily life, man. It's just like in the teaching I just started, uh, you know, uh, using Matthew 6, Jesus said, you know, take no thought for the morrow. We're supposed to live every day to the best of our ability. And that's where he said, you know, consider the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, nor do they sto store up in barns. And I, I was listening to I've listened to this podcast called Philosophize This, and it got me into reading some of Henry David Thoreau. And if you don't know who Henry David Thoreau is, he was this very well known author in you know the eighteen hundreds that just one day decided that he was going to go live in a cabin in the woods by himself. He's my for hero. Two or three, yeah, for two or three years, and. He had this quote, and it, his whole deal was that he never thought he really lived. And he said, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. And that's the big thing, is like, you don't want to be that guy that's on their deathbed going, I wasted, even, even now, or when this is normal, Anytime. You don't want to be that guy that was like, I never did anything. I did the bare minimum. I made it. Nice house. Kids, grandkids. But I never lived. I you never, don't want to be that guy. No. Or that girl. You don't. You just don't want to be them. And times like these are a time for, you know. You, ha you have plenty of time to sit inside and contemplate the deep, th the deep thoughts. Sure. Or, or you know, like, like we were not really planning much up here on the farm and all of a sudden we're ramped up and we're about to plant to be in production to be able to have vegetables not only to sell but to give to those who are mm -hmm. without uh I've become pretty obsessed with uh raised bed farming here in the last few weeks one of the things that and you know i have a lot of contacts where we're at you cannot buy flour there's so much essentials that you can't buy. I was able to get my hands on 150 pounds of flour. So I am giving flour out to people who cannot get flour. Like a drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> like little, normally little when, bags you're, of flour. when you're passing little white baggies out, <laughs> it's not a good thing. But man, each one of us has something to do to offer the community. And that's how we spread positivity. That's how... We spread the light of Jesus. Uh, it's not by just sitting here teaching. It's by action. So if they're, you know, you're stuck at home, can't go to work, or you're working remote, and you're worried about 
you know, food and, and why don't you try a little bit of raised bed farming? You can do it anywhere. Even if you live in an apartment, if you have a balcony, you can raise something on your balcony. It's therapeutic. And not only that. If you can find plants, I think I bought all of them in East Texas. Well, if you well, can maybe. find plants, maybe. Well, but it's little things like that. You know, maybe you do have some extra food and you know somebody, man, cook a meal for somebody that that's struggling man you know you know somebody that lives alone call them tell them look i'm not gonna older person i don't want to infect you with a coronavirus but man i've made this awesome pot of chili or chicken dumplings and i'm gonna we just did it we took a lady hot tamales yeah. that michelle made and she doesn't feel well and she said i don't want to infect you guys so just blow the horn you know, so we took it down to her little cabin, remote cabin she lives in, and she was really blessed. I mean, things like that go a long way. Everybody has something to offer. We got to remember that. If we all take positive steps, we will learn through this. And not only can we survive, we will thrive during these times. We all have to face challenges. The difference is, are we going to run and hide? Are we going to meet the challenge and see what kind of positive thing we can bring to the table? It's a question I think we all need to ask ourselves right now. Yeah. Because you know what, guys? And if you disagree with me, please, man, let us know. Because I, I, we love dialogue. I think we're a drastically different nation when we emerge from this than we were when we go into it. I say that with this thought. We could be a much better nation. And yeah, and it's up to us to decide what we look like after this. It's not up to politicians. It's not. And it's not up to literally anybody but the populace. And <clears throat> it could be bad or it could be good. It could, either way. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. But it could be better or worse i say that within community maybe we actually can start building community uh maybe the dynamic is is different we learn that we need each other so we're more in contact with each other and i'm not talking about sharing selfies and duck lip photos i'm talking about getting to know one another Everybody has something they can do to add to the positive. I believe that. And that's the and that's the thing is using tools like Facebook and Twitter and this and that to be, do positive things instead of just wasting time on them. The same preachers that three months ago were touting how terrible social media was for everybody now only have social media to get their stuff out. So, proves my point. It's a tool. It is a tool. You can beat people over the head with a hammer or you can build something with a hammer absolutely one of the things economically that i believe and we'll spend probably the last few minutes here talking about this i believe that there's going to be a great opportunity in sourcing things you need locally from this which helps build community i think you may see a resurgence of going down here at home we have a little store, man, that's been here since 1930-something. Older than that. I don't, I don't know. I it's old, man. It's over. It's probably closer to 100 years old, I think. That little store, when I was a kid, was very vibrant because my grandmother didn't drive much, and she would call and turn her grocery order in, and a guy named Mr. Bill, man, I love Mr. Bill, would bring the groceries to her house. This was... I don't want to tell y'all how many years ago. It was a long time, like 50 years ago. Mind-boggling to say I remember something 50 years ago. But anyway, I couldn't wait. when I stayed with my grandma during the day, during the summer. I couldn't wait till it was grocery order day because Mr. Bill from Warsham's Grocery was bringing the delivery. Grandma always spoiled us and bought sweets and stuff, but Mr. Bill always bring me a peppermint stick when he came. I think we may be going back to those days. Uh, now, Warsham's still there. Yeah. Still a lot of people use it. We buy stuff Even there. Even more now. <laughs> I've bought, like, probably just in the last, like, $40 worth of plant and stuff there. Just in the last, And that's the other cool thing about it. 
it's a store that has everything. It does. Feed store. A lot of that's coming back. Groceries. I, I do too. So I think maybe this is an opportunity for, for stores like Warsham's, man, and little old Joaquin, Texas to thrive. Yeah. I think we can look at these as a terrible downfall. I'm looking at a story here that says one in four small businesses will be forever closed in four month, two What's months. Two months. Two months. Yeah. Two. Almost. Uh, it's the hill. It's a poll that says almost one in four businesses, small businesses, are two months or less away from closing permanently. I believe that. However, I don't believe that has to happen. I, okay, let's say that they can't survive this. Someone can take their place. I pray they don't lose their business. But more precise models. I believe this is an opportunity, guys, for us to have stuff made in america again which we desperately need uh you know you want to know an irony we're buying masks from china from and ventilators same, in the same province that this thing came yeah from. from the same place that this covid stuff came from where did i we you just seen that too didn't you what it's, did it say? it's crazy let me find it what if china <laughs> sending ventilators to new york as Trump touts unproven COVID nineteen cure. Anyway, China sending ventilators to New York. I mean, does that make sense? So, and I'm not knocking China. Hey, you know what? The whole world's suffering from this. Yeah. But still, why can't we go back to to made in America? And what about locally sourced? You know, do you, do you, do you think locally sourced food? Is it is that as much danger as it coming from places like Walmart that it comes from all over the world? Not knocking Walmart. I'm just saying. I think we can all exist together, but I think there could be a chance for a resurgence in small business where there's relationship, man. You know to where you know who you're getting your stuff from, yeah. and they know you, and, and it's more of a community. Places like Panola Processing. Yeah, like Panola Processing, a great example here. Uh, I think this could lead to a resurgence, man, of really good things. And everything I see, I always look at it from a perspective of community. So these businesses could not only help bring jobs, help send people's kids to school. It also can be a place to where kingdom economy is shared, man, to where I can promise you, you can walk into the couple little businesses that's left here in our little town, and you can walk in there right now and say, hey, guys, let's pray. Let's pray for the whole community. Yeah. And they'd stop and pray right now. That vibrancy of being connected to one another, I think we could see a resurgence in businesses like that after this. And if we do, that's a very positive thing. Maybe we could, you know, start praying and seeking for ideals on on things we as a community of believers could do. I don't believe there's anything wrong with capitalism. I believe capitalism can take care of a lot of problems, but I think capitalism should always be based our views on not just helping ourselves but helping others. And you, and mixing capitalism with with helping others because you can't just look at people like and base their their usefulness off their off just merely what they know, have or what they can produce. Yeah, no, you but can't. You can't. But you can still even not viewing people that way. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Use capitalism, and you can use capitalism as a in the markets and take care of everybody. I believe at that. the same time you don't have to. Ha it's not just like communism helping people. No, the early the early the community or capitalism. The early church practiced capitalism. Lydia was a she sold material. She sold. She was sold purple material, which meant she royalty was part of her clientele. I mean, my goodness, guys, Paul was a tent maker, and his biggest customer, ironically, 
was the Roman Empire that was bound and determined to stamp out Christianity, yet Paul and Aquila, they made tents and sold them to them to help provide for the Christian community. If we focus ourselves on the message and what we're supposed to do, and we seek knowledge and wisdom from God, there's no telling what we could accomplish. And I think that has to be in the marketplace. It has to be in the marketplace so we can expand it. So I'm really believing there could be a great resurgence in local sourced, small business, communities that are been left for dead in this new modern economy to be able to start producing things and building community back. Uh, how long is this going to last? We don't know. What are we going to look like post? And maybe we're wrong. Maybe The Walking Dead's coming. I don't know, though. <laughs> it could let's be. Let's just hope that it's the better option. <laughs> yeah, and let's pursue the better option. Let's not just, like, stockpile all the toilet paper and canned beans you can and just, like, hope for, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Like, let's try to make it the better option. If it's not, we'll deal with it. Yeah, that's all we can do, live our life every day. So anyway, guys, I, I hope you find this interesting. Uh, please let us know. We love dialogue. Please share the podcast. Uh, biggest, yeah, biggest thing, share uh, shares everyone you know. Um, ratings, rating us on, uh, give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, give us a four star. Even, hey, even if five you don't star, like us, star. give us a five star and say, I hated this podcast so much I gave it five stars yeah. just because it aggravated me. But help us get this message out, guys. And uh, yeah, and by doing that, you help us get um, put on the you know the the hey people are listening to this page, and that it just grows and grows and grows from there. And um, should have this one up pretty quick. Be sure if you're not already to uh, follow the page. And other than that, you got anything else to say? No, other than just appreciate you guys listening to us. And again, we're recording from parts undisclosed and somewhat still free East Texas. East Texas. All right, guys, and we'll catch you later.